Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Evening, evening, evening. Um, welcome to the adventure. We, uh, as a church, since we started, we just felt God say, just go on an adventure with, with the event. As we uh, will start our Battersea site in January. Yes. Again, this has just been, we've just been uh, obedient to what we feel like the Lord is uh, asking us to. And over the last uh, couple of months, as we've been preparing for the launch, which is in a month's time, uh, we've been looking at various venues, probably about 20 venues. Uh, we've contacted and we've gone to visit uh, a number of venues, uh, venues in Battersea. Um, the good news is we found a venue. Uh, it's at the uh, York Gardens Library and Community Centre. Uh, it won't kind of fit properly on a business card, uh, but uh, we're so delighted. It feels like this. Pl- it feels like this kind of place, and uh, there's all kinds of rooms there, which can be fantastic. Uh, it feels like a bit of a miracle as well because two months ago it wasn't available on a, on a Sunday morning. So it really feels like God has provided the way, provided the way for us. The other thing that we're really excited to say is that we are partnering with another church on the Doddington Estate, which is sort of southeast of Battersea Park, um, Shaftesbury Christian Centre. Uh, it's where we run our English language school and they've been very generous to us. We're, we're a church who wants to be generous. This church has been very generous to us, and uh, so they've offered, we're, we're going to go into partnership with this church in community projects on, on the estate. It's fantastic. So watch this space. Uh, if you live around Battersea, Clapham Junction, Wandsworth, Stockwell, the whole of North London, <laughs> I, I highly recommend just go, get, get yourself along to the Battersea, Battersea site. It's going to be a fantastic opportunity for, to welcome people yet to come. Uh, just like you and I, yet to come. Um, the other good news, some of you may be pleased to know, is that we are going to land our series tonight. And uh, we've been doing a series since the autumn, really, on living free, what it looks like to live free. And so today, and we've looked at money, sex, relationships, depression, mental health, marriage, singleness, all kinds of, all kinds of issues. And how do we live free? Uh, today, so that's good news. <laughs> Yay! Uh, yeah, unfortunately, today, for some of you, we're going to be looking at a really, really difficult subject um, uh, on offence and unforgiveness. How do we live free from offence and unforgiveness? So, happy days. Um, if, uh, if someone was to ask you, come, come up to you on the streets, or a colleague, or a friend, or neighbour, and they said, what's the central emphasis of Christianity? I mean, come on, boil it down. Uh, make it simple. Is there one thing that at the heart of all that Jesus taught and modelled and accomplished, what is it? I don't know about you. How, how would you answer that question? One thing, one thing. What's the single greatest contribution to the Christian faith? The Christian faith has brought to humanity, to the well-being of the world. Um, certainly any unbiased evaluation of Christianity 
its contribution to the world, would, would acknowledge that Christians have been at the forefront of many, many things, uh, establishing healthcare. Christians started the first hospitals, relief agencies, clinics. Christian miss missionaries have, have long been known as carrying a Bible in one hand and a bag of medicine in the other. So we could talk about, we could talk about health. We could also talk about education and literacy. Uh, Christians founded the schools, the, the greatest universities in, on the planet. Uh, what about uh, its contribution to the arts, to media, to music, uh, to science, to literature? All begun by Christians. We could talk about the Christians' foundation of, uh, sorry, the Christian foundation of modern democracy, and especially it's the, the civil rights movement, the welfare state, just two miles down the road, William Wilberforce and the Clapham set were instrumental at the uh, abolishment of the slave trade. The list goes on. It's estimated in the UK, just in the UK alone, the role of faith groups uh, is, is worth over uh, three billion pounds in its time and resources to our nation each year for, the, for, for ministry to the poor. I, I want to propose, you can push all of that to one side. And I, I want to propose that the, the greatest single contribution that Christianity has brought to the world is forgiveness. <laughs> Push all of that other stuff to one side. It's forgiveness. Yeah. And this call to radical for, forgiveness. If Christianity is about anything, it's about forgiveness. I, I've said it so many times, I'll say it again. It's about <laughs> forgiveness. And again, it's not about forgiveness escaping punishment. But forgiveness is reconciliation and total restoration of our souls. Yeah. Okay, Steve, but come on. How far do we push this forgiveness thing? You know, the church, you always talk about forgiveness. It's great to forgive, but come on, we live in the real world. We're not in church. We know that people go through horrible, horrible things. Kids are, uh, are murdered. People are raped. There's child abuse. There's cheating on marriage vows. Uh, there's dysfunction between close friends. There's domestic violence, embezzlement. And as a result, we've got, we've got a broken world with, with broken hearts, broken lives, broken bodies, broken marriages, broken mental health. And I want to propose we've got relational damage which far exceeds three billion pounds. We've got relational damage in our world because of uh, unforgiveness. Um, I, think, I think we could all acknowledge that we, we could not live in a world without some level of forgiveness. I think we could, all, we could all acknowledge that. But again, Steve, that's a really nice idea. But in the real world, when people really offend, surely we need to move on from just something as little as forgiveness. We need to kind of move on to something a bit more realistic. Uh, and so like many of the topics that we've addressed uh, this topic of offence and unforgiveness doesn't really get mentioned much, uh, particularly the offence bit. But it's not only prevalent in our society, uh, but the bad news is it's in the church too. <laughs> if we're talking about um, living free, how much, just think about yourself, how much of your mental energy gets taken up by people that have offended you? 
<laughs> Every Sunday morning I get a notification on my phone how many hours I spend on my phone a day. How, how, if you had a notification every week, how, how many hours do you spend mm. in thinking about the effects you've got with someone else? Mm. I wonder if it pinged up every Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> this week, <laughs> every day. <laughs> Instead of viewing an app, you just view your own offence. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, what, what I've noticed, and what many of us have noticed, is we live in an age of perpetual offence. I mean, everybody's offended, right? About something, about everything, all of the time. We can all acknowledge that, can't we? Yeah. I know in my own life, I'm, uh, I'm easily offended, particularly when I'm in my car. Um, and again, God is he's still at work. I'm still work in progress. Uh, he's trying to remove the anger or offence I have with other drivers who don't drive the way I want them to. They should drive the way I want them to, surely. Uh, and I, I remember being provoked by a talk about joy and how to keep maintaining joy. And I, I, I don't know whether it was God or whether it was just the talk, but what, what I felt, what I reckon God was saying to me was, it's uh, the reason why it's sometimes hard for me to stay happy is because I, it's so easy for me to get offended. And God's goal for me, and this is Work in progress. God's goal for me is to make it easier for me to stay happy and harder for me to be offended. So God's working on this offender project and I just wanted to invite you into my jumbled up world. Um, it's easier. It's easier for some of us to get offended and it's harder for some of us to get happy if you're anything like me. Whether you believe it or not, the, the enemy's main object, his goal for you, is to rob and steal and destroy you. That's his main tactic, what he wants to do. His strategy is to bring division. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 12, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And, and what Jesus is saying is uh, that the enemy's main assignment on you is to destroy you. And his main strategy is to divide your house. Mm. Think about that in relationships. It's often those the people closest to you that the enemy tries to divide and to, mm. to separate. Uh, I, what's it like being around bitter people? So again, talk about progression. Someone does something, says something, looks at you in a certain way, has a different point of view to you, it's easy to get shocked by that or offended by that. You've got, a, you've got a, then a choice to forgive them and to let it go. If that doesn't happen, bitterness is, your, is the progression. Uh, but what's it like to be around bitter people? We all know them, don't we? Uh, I used to work for a boss many, many, many years ago. And he would regularly tell me, on a, probably a weekly basis, uh, that, about the way his boss treated me, treated him, as justification for the way he, my boss treated me. He was like, well, I've been through this, so I might as well treat you the same way. And he would treat his other staff members like that as well. Uh, he carried bitterness and unforgiveness because of the past. My, my opa and nana, uh, my grandparents, they got divorced when my mum was a teenager. 
because my opa had an affair with his secretary. And my nana, every time I went round there, she would tell me about mm. what my opa did to her. This is like 20, 30 years mm. after. <laughs> uh, she became sick, and if she was in pain, she would say, oh, it's all your opa's fault, mm. what he did to me. That's why, 20 years, like, that's why I'm now sick. Uh, and yeah, every time she would say that, she would reference that it was his, his fault. Some things I've noticed is that, um, and talking to people, uh, talking to people here in church, out in our community, uh, talking to family members, being around people, um, I don't know of anything else that's so destructive in relationships, bitterness. Do you? I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything that destroys or ruins a life quicker than unforgiveness and, and bitterness. You see, the issue is, in some circles, bitterness, unforgiveness, offence is almost a virtue. Mm. It's almost something which is yeah. you're partnered with. Particularly when, you know, the first thing you want to do is get other people to mm. partner with your offence. Mm. And so they join you in your, in in, in your offence. Uh, and for some people, they call it discernment. <laughs> Wisdom. Uh, it's justifiable. Let me just say this. Uh, bitterness and offence are not virtues. Regardless of what you feel, they're, n- they're not virtues. Being easily offended is not the fruit of the Spirit or a gift of the, gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, bitterness, though, is always justifiable to the bittered. Just my, just my observations. Um, what offence... So, if offence isn't a virtue, what is offence? And I want to propose that offence is our first clue that we've turned our love off. Mm. Uh, think about my car, it's, it's really old, so there's loads of things on the dashboard that blink. Every time I brake now, the brake light And every time we don't brake. Even if we don't brake, yeah. the brake light comes on. Um, and I was thinking about this, that offence, could be, for us, a spiritual warning light mm. that we've turned our love off. So good. It could be. It could be that offence is a trigger for you to, oh, I need to turn my love, love back on. I need God's help so that I can represent him to the world. It's a warning light. Offence mm. is an indicator that something's been turned off. But increasingly in our British, British culture, uh, we seem to be looking for a fence around every rock and tree. Like, where is it? <laughs> people, people of all ages, you'll agree with me, people of all ages, all socio-economic levels, are embracing this tendency to be offended by any opinion that differs from their own. Yeah. It's true. Uh, it's true. I'm, I'm not making this up. As followers of Jesus, we should be different, right? Please nod. (laughs) Please nod. See, the early church were known as followers of the way. And they represented Christ. Our our role as followers of Jesus is to represent, to represent Christ. And uh, what we're going to look at are what Jesus says about offense. To help us uh, represent him. And again, so you can't be offended with me. 
thank the Lord, uh, because this is all from Jesus. Uh, because unfortunately, Christians are the most offendable people on the planet. Uh, I don't know any other, any other people group. Christians are really offendable. And the, the irony of this religion, Christianity, it revolves around a relationship with somebody that dropped every offence. He dropped all of our stuff that we've committed against him. He dropped it. And it's, it's, I find it ironic that we sometimes can be really offendable. Okay, let's see what Jesus says about this. Uh, and then we've got six pages left. Uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at two scriptures. Matthew 7 and then Matthew 18. Matthew 7 says this. What? Why don't you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will, clearly, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay, so here's my sermon illustration. I've got this plank in my eye. Can you see it? <laughs> I have this tiny little plank in my eye. This is what Jesus is saying. And what I'm interested in is your speck. And I'm ignoring it. I can't even see this. It's on the peripheral of my vision. Um, see, the issue is, is if you don't deal with the plank in your eye, you're just going to go whack. You're just going to bring destruction and division. Uh, I was tempted to shave and to kind of make this sort of health and safety. But I thought, no. Uh, I did take a nail out. But, um, <laughs> Jesus is saying, take the plank. First, look at your own plank before you look at someone else's speck. Okay. I might come back to that. Is that just off your garden shed, Steve? Um, that was on a skip on Bedford Hill. <laughs> I asked the Lord and he provided. <laughs> um, what I want to do is contrast the small things with the big things. Mm. On a regular basis, and I'm not going to tell you how regular, but it's regular, someone either has an offence with me or someone else that, I, that I'm told. Someone's done something or said something, and it's called some kind of issue. Um, at one stage, it was a weekly basis. Um, I, I often got, when I heard about someone's offence with, some, with either me or someone else, the thing that made me happy sometimes was that it wasn't about me. <laughs> that people were, I'd hear about someone's offence, and the first thing I would say is, who, who are they offended with? <laughs> okay, that's the <laughs> Phew. Um, what I've noticed, what I've noticed is that it, um, the, 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 the issues that we have with one another can all go back far. If you go back far enough, you find that every plank is made up of a lot of specks. Every plank that you have on a person is made up of a lot of, lot of tiny little specks. Okay, let's have a look at what 
Jesus says in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, it's the parable of the un unmerciful servant. This is all Jesus. This is what Jesus says about offense and forgiveness. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven. Seven was a, the biblical perfect number. Should I just forgive that person seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some, some theologians might say it's 70 times seven. But let's just go with an easy 77. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with servants. As he began at the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to, uh, be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Fantastic. The servant's master took pity on him and cancelled the debt. Cancelled the debt. Uh, the, uh, translate the Greek here is about forgive the debt and let him go. Uh, verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who had owed him about 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called their servant in. The wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers and to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is Jesus speaking. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Um, I've started uh, smiling in the mirror. Um, I've got one of these faces that when people look at me, they think, are you grumpy with me? Um, probably on a regular basis, so I'm walking down, walking through Ballon, I'll often hear, cheer up, son, it may never happen. I'll, I'll have, I've, I've realised I've got one of these faces that just communicates that I'm grumpy. Um, Viv and I have been married for 22 years, and probably for the first 21 and a half years, she, was, she said, are you okay with me? You look like you're annoyed. I'm like, no, 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 I'm actually quite in a good mood. <laughs> so... I've, I've started, every time I go into the mirror on my own, I've just, um, I've just given myself a smile to practice. What's it like to look happy? <laughs> um, I used to get letters from people, uh, even as a teenager, people saying, like, letter, I started, when I first started in church, came to church, I got letters from, from a couple of people and they said, uh, I just want you to know that even though you, you don't like me, I forgive you. And I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on. Um, that still continues. <laughs> that still continues. Um,
So Jesus here, he's talking about the unmerciful servant. It's provocative, right? Mm. Unless, unless you forgive, mm. how can my Father forgive you? Mm. Again, in, the, in the, the greatest sermon of all time that Jesus preached, Matthew 5, 6 and 7, he talks about this. And when you pray, uh, before, before your Father can forgive you, for, before you come to God, uh, forgive your brother and sister, otherwise God can't forgive you. It's a fantastic sermon. <clears throat> the amazing thing about Jesus is that he actually put uh, into practice what he taught us. He was so radical that he actually lived this forgiveness thing. As an example, <clears throat> when Jesus hung on the cross, <coughs> can you remember, for those of you who, who follow Jesus, when Jesus hung on the cross, what did he pray? Forgive them. Forgive them. Father, forgive them. What he didn't say... <coughs> Father, get them. <laughs> Consume them. Send your fire. Burn them. He didn't pray. He didn't pray that, did he? He didn't say that. The night before Jesus was betrayed, uh, the soldiers went to come and arrest him. And you have the story of Peter grabbing the sword, chopping off one of the soldiers' ears. And uh, what did what did Jesus say to people? Peter, when he pulled the sword, sword at night, did he say, good job, Peter, you're living in the real world, buddy. In the real world, it, in, it's violence in return for violence. It's tit for tat. He said, no, don't you realise I've got the army behind me, the army of angels behind me. And so he picked up here and healed the man. He's saying to Peter, you're still living in the, in the world of offence and payback. I've come to introduce you to a different world. That's good. And then he modelled modeled this by being hung and bled on a tree. And then there, there he prayed, Father, forgive them. Who did he forgive? He forgave the Roman soldiers. Again, they weren't just the good guys. They weren't just doing their job, their duty. Uh, they were people who actually enjoyed, the Roman soldiers enjoyed kicking Jesus in the face, spitting on him. They're a bunch of thugs. Forgive them. Jesus says. Uh, also the Sanhedrin. Father, the religious authorities who deliberately lied, manipulated the trial, the trial um, broke their own laws in order to, for Jesus to be trialled. He's like, forgive them. Forgive them. Pontius Pilate. Forgive them. The ultimate political consciousness animal. Political animal there. Which way is the wind blowing? This is Pontius Pilate. Which way is the wind blowing? Let me go there. Let me go where that's going. Forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive the soldiers. Forgive the Sanhedrin. Forgive the Pontius Pilate. Forgive you and me. Okay, but Steve, you, I, I've reached my limit with this person. And Jesus says, I understand that. So I want, you, I want to help you go beyond your limits. Mm. And here's the way to go beyond your limits in forgiving. Um, some of my some of my heroes, they, Viv and I, we didn't get trained in the church planting for what I'm about to say, but some of my heroes in the church, are those of you who've been hurt, physically abused, emotionally abused, you've been violated sexually, and you've got every right to have trauma and pain in your life, but you've chosen a route of forgiveness. You've chosen this route to live free. You know who you are. I'm not going to get you to stand up. 
You know who you are. Right now, you'll make, you continue to make choices to forgive those people, to, to live free. Uh, you, you are my heroes. Uh, those of you, because of your pain, because you know what these people have done to you, you've chosen to literally turn the other cheek. Because you know that unforgiveness, bitterness, you know that it's just going to eat you alive. See, the thing, what's happened to you and what's, what's eating you up is it has no effect on the other person. But, but you know that I, this road of forgiveness and letting go, uh, you don't want that to eat you alive. Let me just say this as well. What the other person has done to you, they'll be judged by God. Yeah. Ultimately, they'll be judged, judged by God. And here on earth, you are walking into freedom. Yeah. And I just wanted to commend you. You know who you are. Know who you are. You're struggling in, in your pain at the moment. You're struggling in the injustice, in the trauma uh, of your life, the things that people have done to you. And I just want to say, you're a survivor. And you're an overcomer. Mm. Revelation talks about the overcomers. There's seven, yeah. I haven't got time to talk about this, but there are seven <laughs> promises to the overcomers. Mm. Uh, read Revelation, you're going to get blessed anyway. Read <laughs> Revelation, and there are these seven promises. Come, come talk to me afterwards. You are an overcomer. When you come to, come to a, the pearly gates, so to speak, you'll be, com you'll be commended for being an overcomer in this life. You'll get through this road of forgiveness and freedom, uh, and you'll be given accommodation. For those of us who are still offended, uh, Jesus says, uh, uh, God says to you in Ezekiel 36, this is his promise for you. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh again. God has a new heart for us. This is the promise today. You can, if, you're an, if you're an offendable type of person, the promise of God for you today is today you can get a new heart. Mm. It's a guarantee. God says this, I will give you a new heart. Beloved church, my friends, uh, possessing a, an unoffendable heart is not an option in the kingdom of God. Oh, it's not a luxury either. It's, not, it's also not a little, little thing. We, we are not called to offend. We are called to choose a road of forgiveness. Jesus warns us that at the end of the age, the majority of people will be offended to such a degree that they will fall away from their faith. Uh, Matthew 24 says, Then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and because of iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. When we allow offence to remain in our hearts, it causes, let me tell you this, it causes serious spiritual consequences. In the above verse, Jesus names three, three of the dangerous results. Betrayal, hatred and cold love. For an offended person, cold love, betrayal and hatred all go hand in hand. You see, people don't usually stumble over big planks, big rocks. It's, all, it's always the small things yeah. that build up. It's normally the specks that build up into planks. Okay, if you give me a couple more minutes. Two, two ways to become unoffendable. You may want to take notes. Uh, step number one, 
step number one. Uh, this is very difficult for some of us. Step number one, don't be offended with anyone until you first made, a, made it a matter of prayer. The first thing to do is not to go and tell someone else. The first thing to do spiritually for, is to make it a matter of prayer. Uh, I know from my own life, prayer resolves a lot of problems by itself. Uh, there have been a number of times in my own life when I've been upset with someone only to discover that getting into the presence of God and praying about the matter, that my, what happens, my own, my own attitude was uglier than the actions of the ones that have wronged me. When you pray, what, what I'd like you to do is ask God to let, ask the Holy Spirit, what are the planks in my own life? What are the things in my own life? Whether it's wounds, I'm being triggered by this because of a, an old wound, an old emotional wound, or is this some kind of sin or jealousy going on? As you pray, spend a, the other thing to do as you pray, spend a few minutes just thanking God for, the, for your offender very hard. Uh, this will help you, I really promise you, this will help you bring to a new level so you can deal with the issue at hand in the right spirit. Uh, one of the things you can do is remember the good things a person has done. Take time to reflect maybe on the enjoyable moments you've had with that person. It's difficult to remain angry at someone when you're thanking God for him or her. So step one, go to prayer, discover your planks, <laughs> and thank God, thank God. Step two, forgive. The word, the word forgive, forgive is this Greek word, aphemi. It means to, what it means, this Greek word, it means to set free, to let go, to release, to discharge. A bit like that previous verse, the, the un, uh, unmerciful servant. The word forgive is to cancel the, the, the debt, to liberate completely. And so it was used in the secular sense, a reference to cancelling debt, releasing someone from the obligation of a contract. In essence, the word forgive uh, is this picture of totally freeing, releasing someone, to let go. Many of us are prisoners of our offence and unforgiveness. Many of us are if I had a whole row, unfortunately the skip didn't have a whole row. Many of us are trapped behind a prison of offence. And uh, we're, we're literally in a prison and our offence keeps us locked in. The, the way to get free from the prison of offence is to forgive. And begin choosing to forgive the person. There's uh, a soldier, just finished, there's a soldier who in an army suffered a deep, deep, deep nasty gash in his leg. And after the doctor saw it, took a good look at the wound, he pulled out a pan of water and a soft brush and began to cleanse the wound with water and soap and a brush. The, cle the cleansing of the wound was really, really painful. And the soldier looked at the doctor and asked, uh, can you just stitch it up without cleansing it? The doctor replied by saying that it was necessary to clean the wound in order for it to be healed. The best way to, to heal a wound is to clean it. He continued to say that it was not cleaned. The healing process would be slower and also be prone to become infected. 
The wound inside, he says, needs to be cleaned so that the wound inside could heal from inside out. Uh, great story I had this week. Many of us have these deep wounds. And uh, what happens in our offence is we begin to just pick at that wound. We pick at that scab so it never really gets to be healed. Because of our offence, it just picks. We just pick at that scab. God wants to do an inside-out job tonight. Um, and I also want to propose that sometimes God reveals our wounds in order to heal us. Mm. Sometimes it's God that reveals the wounds in order to heal us. See, where the, where the enemy comes is he sees the work of God healing your wound, revealing your wound, and he comes to rob and steal and destroy. And he comes very slowly, very deliberately, but he comes because he knows if he, can, if he can keep you trapped, if he can keep you in a prison, the division between relationships between you and, you and God and you and others is, a, is what, what is going, going for. Okay. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take communion now. Uh, so let me get the, invite the band to come back. At Christmas, we remember that God, God, he saw us. At Christmas, we remember that God saw us and saw a broken world, uh, and He decided to do something about it, and He decided to send His Son Jesus. At Christmas time, uh, Jesus was born to die. Um, the wise men, they got it. At the wise men, they brought these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. It was really, it would have been really awkward. I love awkward moments, but this would have been really awkward. Mary would have received the gold, amazing, would have received the frankincense, it's all about anointing. And then she would have received this myrrh, and that's a burial spice. <laughs> myrrh's a burial spice. She would have gone, uh, thanks, but the wise men knew it. Jesus was born to die, yeah. and he's born to die for you and me. And he took all of our offence, all of our, all of our unforgiveness, and he died. He died a brutal death so that you and I could be free. But what the option isn't that we get to choose whether we forgive or not. Yeah. Jesus is really harsh when he talks about forgiveness. He says, unless you can forgive your brother and sister, how can my father forgive you? It's a spiritual law. And so why don't we stand? And uh, I want us now just to check yourself. Check yourself. We don't take communion lightly. Uh, biblically, before we take communion, we're to check ourselves to see if we've got any area of offence with a brother and sister. And before we take communion, we're to, we're to give that person to God and begin the process of forgiveness. Otherwise it's worthless. This communion thing's worthless because we're asking for forgiveness, but we're not prepared to begin to choose to forgive or, choose, or forgive, a, forgive a person. So what I want to do is just check ourselves. Two, two things. It might be that you've got an offended heart and you want a brand new heart. 
it might be that you suddenly you can hear the warning like go, okay, yeah, I need God, I need you to turn my light, my love back on. Or it might be that there are people that you need to forgive. It's often when I get nervous because I I might have a queue of people coming up to me. (laughs) Who are those people that you need to forgive? Um, You may need to go up to them and say, I forgive you. Jesus, when he looks at you, he says, I forgive you. He comes to you and he comes eyeball to eyeball. And he says, I forgive you. I'll I'll let you go. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you help us in our weakness? Would you take my cold, loveless heart? Would you take my heart that's easily offended, God? And would would you place it before the cross? The burning love of God. We place our cold heart before the burning love of God and say, God, would you give me a new heart? the other breath, God, would you help us, help me to forgive those people that have hurt me again and again. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.